What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Sports. From State Street and the First Midwest Bank Studio, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. WNVP Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app with open phone lines for you. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. If you follow me on Snapchat, I will follow you back guaranteed at SnapJHood and Instagram IGJHood as well. Hope that you're going to have a great weekend to keep you company here until 10 o'clock. Well, usually weeknights at 8 we take care of you with some football conversation. Could be bears, could be fantasy, could be college football, could be something with gambling with football. And we always do this every summer with the summer of football. The summer of football. All you can ask for is another opportunity to play this game. It burns in me. On ESPN 1000. We don't know how many we got. I don't know how many I got. Make it count, boys. Mahomes rushed out again. Turning the corner. Fires downfield. You throw to score and run to win. Here's Saquon Barkley. And he's off to the races. The 30, the 20. Saquon for six. The summer of football at eight. Here's a quick throw to Miller. Good throw. Touchdown. Fake to Armstrong. Run. Book five. Book to the end zone. Burrow's got time, launching for the end zone, jump ball, touchdown, Terrence Marshall. The Summer of Football with Jonathan Hood. Yeah, that's my dog. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Indeed, it is the Summer of Football, getting you ready for the football season. Every night at 8 o'clock we give you something football tonight. There might be some sound that you might have missed and some opinions you might have missed. We're going to go guest-free for summer football because there's a lot I want to get to regarding the National Football League. So we're going to hear from Bill Barnwell, who covers the NFL, coming up in an hour from now right here on ESPN uh, 1000. Terrific writer for many years covering the NFL. We'll get his thoughts about the Bears, the NFC North, and everything else around the NFL in an hour from now. But for summer of football, let's talk about hate, right? The word hate, the word disrespect, Um, it's a small H in hate, and there's a small D in disrespect when we talk about teams, right? Hate is a a totally different connotation when we talk about other things. But for sports, why are you hating on my team? Why That's complete disrespect. Why are you disrespecting on my team? J.J. Stankovitz from NBC Sports Chicago, I think, wrote a column um, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but you know it's going to get people stirred up. And that is why the Bears get hate and disrespect from the national NFL media. This is something that I used to battle for a long time where people would call and talk about, well, how come ESPN feels this way about 
the Bears or how come ESPN or Fox feels this way? Or how come the national media is not giving my team attention? And my response always to that would be, who cares? <laughs> my, my response would be, if you feel strongly about your team, you don't need someone else to tell you how great your team is. You don't have to turn on SportsCenter and wonder, how come my team's not being talked about? Well, you know what? doesn't matter. The respect is in your circle, at your home, at your bar. When you go to the game, you respect your favorite team. doesn't matter what other people say. But I think that Stankovic was somewhat tongue-in-cheek in talking about the Bears uh, not getting the respect from the national media. And here's why. CBS Sports HQ gave its top ten safeties in the NFL, according to Voice of the Star on Twitter. They gave it to Honey Badger. They gave it to Minka Fitzpatrick and Jamal Adams and Harrison Smith. Anthony Harris, Justin Simmons, uh, Devin McCourty, Derwin James, Kevin Bayard, and Earl Thomas. Who's missing in that? Well, I mean, there's a number of players you can look at and say, how come the Bears' safeties are not on this list, right? You can take a look at the defensive lineman in the NFL. And you, you can look at Aaron Donald, definitely top of his game for the Rams. Chris Jones, Kenny Clark, the list goes on and on with guys like Fletcher Cox, DeForest Buckner, Calais Campbell, uh, J.J. Watt. And you say, how come the Bears are not in there? Because Akeem Hicks is a top, definitely a top 10 defensive lineman, wouldn't you say? I mean, Akeem Hicks is, should be right there in the team photo when it comes to um, into that position. Eddie Jackson should be right there in the top 10 as far as safeties are concerned. You go down the list that he has here in this column, talks about the top 10 edge rushers, right? T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, uh, Danielle Hunter, uh, Zadarius Smith, Nick Bosa's on this list. Khalil Mack's on the list, but he's nine. And the point for Stankovic is on a- CBS Sports HQ, wait a minute. So there's eight other edge rushers that are better than Khalil Mack? Well, on this list it is, for sure. And so the point of the column is this, is that when you look at this roster for the Bears, it's all about star power. It's all about difference-making players that have to be able to come to the forefront for Nagy keep his job, for Ryan Pace to keep his job, for a number of those coordinators and those coaches to get to keep their job as well. 12-4 and four to 8-8. Eight and eight. All I know is this, is that we're not in the era of having a coach around four or five years just because he has a great bedside manner, just because he's got... You know, a great disposition, great with the media. That doesn't matter anymore because you cannot let the grass grow underneath your feet waiting for your favorite team to get better because the coach it, it can be able to hold a press conference for 40 minutes or more to keep the, uh, the media engaged. That's not really what it's about. It's about winning games. It's about trying to get the job done. And so when I look at this roster, always – so in my lifetime, I can always look at the defensive side of the football. Names we just mentioned right there will be difference makers this upcoming season for the Bears on the defensive side of the football as we do summer football with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. So we, for all my, my entire life as a Bears fan, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, where we are right now, it's always been about quality, Pro Bowl caliber defensive players that are really the strength of the team. What I've been waiting for is that balance on both sides of the football for the defense and the offense. And so on the offensive side, you're looking for more than Allen Robinson. I think Allen Robinson's a top 10 wide receiver in this league. If he's at 10, he's 10. But the question is, 
Is it going to be Anthony Miller, or is it going to be Ted Ginn that will be the second receiver that can make a difference for Trubisky or Foles as a quarterback? Some thoughts now from Ted Ginn, the newest wide receiver for this football team. Ted Ginn was talking about the Bears' quarterback competition. You're going into a deal with, man, I'm new, you know, so I'm just coming in. I don't know who posed to be right or wrong, you know. Um, I just go in and I just make whoever's back there the right person, you know. Uh, growing up in this league, uh, coming out as, as a rookie, playing for Miami and having a different type of quarterbacks that I had, you know, you always been out, you always been like trained to go out and make the quarterback right. And that's what I've been, that's what I've been taught and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out and just try to make every quarterback right, no matter who's behind the wheel. You know, right now I believe that Trubisky is going to be our starter, you know, and uh, we're going to fight as much as we can for him. And we're going to fight as much as we can for any quarterback that's back there. And I think that's where uh, you bring in your, your leaders and your veterans and your different people to help that guy out, no matter if it's Nick or it's Trubisky. So uh, I'm willing to fight for whoever it is. I'm going to play for whoever it is, and that's all you can really do. <laughs> Ted Ken says, I'm not sure who's going to be the quarterback. Oh, I think it's, it probably is going to be Trubisky. He agrees with me and feels that Trubisky is going to be that guy. He believes that Trubisky is going to be the starter, and I feel the same way. This is not going to be a real competition. Uh, this will be talked up in the press as we get closer to the season, but this will be Trubisky's job to lose. There's no doubt. Uh, maybe Foles has more snaps. I can see that on the board in Vegas. Who gets more snaps? Who gets more starts? Is it going to be uh, Mitchell Trubisky or uh, will it be Nick Foles? We will see. I, I really believe, though, that this is going to be Trubisky's job to lose. Soft schedule in the three, top three, top four games uh, of the schedule for the Bears. Maybe Trubisky can prevail. Maybe, maybe not. So speaking of Ted Ginn, right? So as I mentioned, and I said this last night, that I think the most important player offensively uh, as far as weapons for Trubisky or Foles has to be the health of, of Miller. Uh, if Robinson is the number one, and, and maybe Robinson is not a dynamic one that stands out to you, but he is on his football team, so you'll take him. But you cannot go through the NFL season just relying on just one wide receiver to get the job done. You need to have several guys along with a, a sturdy tight end. Maybe Komet is going to be that guy. Uh, again, he, it's too early to tell because he's a rookie, but... You have to have multiple weapons on in front of a rickety offensive line is trying to figure things out. Weapons must be available for whoever the quarterback is. If you have Trubisky fatigue and you're ready for Foles to be the guy, keep in mind that whoever's back there, they need time. We quit the number last night. I'll bring it to summer football here again tonight. That the Bears are one of the worst teams in the National Football League as far as giving quarterbacks time to throw under three seconds. For this offensive line. That's not an excuse for Trubisky. It's just a fact. Trubisky's ineptitude plus the offensive line issues plus the uh, a team that really needs to be reimagined offensively equals 8-8. Eight and, eight. and that's exactly what the Bears uh, were this past season. So as I mentioned about Ted Ginn, same NBC Sports Chicago piece from Stankovitz. Um, why Bears believe Ted Ginn can push Allen Robinson to uh, an even bigger 2020. So... J.J. says that the Bears may measure Ted Ginn's impact not only by his receptions and yards, but what he can do uh, with the other 10 guys on the field, more, subse- more specifically one guy. So keep in mind that Ginn is 35 years old. He's got plenty in the tank, uh, according to some. Uh, and you know 
four three, four four speed, whatever it is, that's fine if he still run fast, but can he be able to be a difference maker? See, the numbers are not eye-popping for again in the autumn of his career here in 2020. Can he just be able to help this team? Yeah, he might be one of the fastest guys on the team. Can he be able to catch? Can he be able to help Trubisky or Foles, the quarterback? So Mike Fury, who is the wide receiver coach for the Bears, says that Ted Ginn brings a fear factor. I wouldn't stand on the table for Ted Ginn to come here if I didn't think he had anything left in his tank. You know, you go back to last year in the New Orleans and watch his film, and watch this young man run. I mean, he still can run now. He's still 4-2, high 4-2s, low 4-3s. I mean, this kid can still run. And now add, you know, what, 16, 17 years of experience to that. Uh, the knowledge, the way he prepares, his leadership. This guy can still play some football at a high level. And when he lines up, DBs are going to be scared to death of him. He's going to take the top on him, top off. But I think you can add his route running into that, uh, that he's a very veteran route runner. So um, those are a lot of things, obviously, that I still believe in. And uh, and so obviously, yeah, you know, TG and I were in the league at the same time. But, uh, you know, I went from being a, you know, 4-4 to a 4-7 real fast. You know, he's still 4-2, 4-3, and he's still got it. And so, uh, you know, that's that fear factor that he still has, and, and we're glad to have it. Mike Fury, the wide receiver coach for the Chicago Bears, talking about Ted Ginn. So, again, you like the experience, but what about the production? you got to wonder about that. That's not necessarily negative. You're just trying to figure out what you have in Ted Ginn now in 2020 at age 35. We'll see what happens with that. All right, coming up next, the GOAT is practicing with his teammates. Uh, and we'll see how that works out for the Buccaneers. And we had a guest on just recently that does not believe in Lamar Jackson for Baltimore. Can he have a second act of greatness as the starting quarterback for the Ravens? We'll have that and a few other stories for you for the summer of football. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Indeed. We'll hear from uh, Bill Barnwell, who covers the NFL for ESPN.com, coming up at 9 o'clock. Glad that you're with us here on this rainy Friday night as we talk about uh, the NFL. We're still immersed in our Summer of Football segment because there's so many nuggets around the NFL. We talked about the Bears, but there's other news as well, like Tom Brady. So I'm on board believing that Tom Brady will be a guy that comes to Tampa and feels like, hey, I had to be buttoned up. I had to be the uh, a pro's pro around Bill Belichick. There's a certain code. There's a certain way that the Patriots go about business. And you know what? It's been successful. It may not be fun for some players. Some former players have talked about how it wasn't necessarily fun, but for Belichick, it was about business. And so you can't knock the hustle when you are winning Super Bowl championships and when you are leading your division and always in the mix in the playoffs. The way Belichick had gone through with his business uh, helped everybody. And so fun should be the winning. But for some, fun was kind of an anvil over the head time after time because Belichick had his way, the Patriot way. So Tom Brady's now with Tampa, and I just think that that is just going to be totally different than uh, what we have seen before. Brady with the Patriots, Brady-Belichick, that combination just worked. 
um, to whatever Brady, however Brady felt about Belichick and vice versa, whether there's respect or there's this disenchantment between the two, it doesn't matter. It just worked because they were being, they were successful. But I just think that Brady away from that system after 20 years with the Patriots uh, is going to be completely different. It's going to be a culture shock. I know that Vegas and other pundits will look at the Patriots or look at the, uh, the Buccaneers, I should say, and say that Tampa now is uh, much more improved because Gronkowski's there as a tight end and Brady's there as the quarterback. And I would just tell you that this is still a 44, 45 year old quarterback. This is not Brady in his prime. This is Brady toward the end of his career. He may think he could play until 50, but the NFL is fast. You ever, ever go to a football game, ever stand on the sidelines for an NFL game, not high school and not, not the IHSA, you know, not college, the NFL and how fast that game is, even for Tom Brady, for a guy that is, has the best I've ever seen at it, he's never going to be great for his entire career unless he walked away today. But Tom Brady, and you could just tell the hype is real in Tampa because there was a helicopter over a practice that Tom Brady was participating in. He got some of his teammates and working on some offensive plays, and there's been a lot of criticism for Tom Brady for him working out during this coronavirus um, pandemic. And Tom Brady got on social media, something that you didn't see a lot of when he's with the Patriots, but a lot now um, with the Buccaneers. And his Tom Brady says, only thing we have to fear is fear itself, which is a FDR uh, quote from years ago from President uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, pretty much thumbing his nose around the noise that he shouldn't be working out uh, with the, uh, spike, the spiked cases of coronavirus in Florida. But he was out there working out. And so I asked Bernard Pollard, who is a Super Bowl champion NFL analyst, uh, his thoughts about what we can expect from Tom Brady and his new team, the Buccaneers. You can eat all the grass you want. At the end of the day, this we're about to see a 43 or 44-year-old man trying to play in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. I think, I, me personally, I think this is going to be a hit on his legacy. I know and understand he is getting a payday going to Tampa, but I, I don't think Jameis Winston got enough credit um, of what he, what he did in Tampa. We all know he threw the interceptions. But I look at the coaching staff when we look at Jameis Winston and, and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know this man potentially can throw the team, a couple, uh, the other team, some balls. So take that doggone his attempts down. Quit letting him throw the ball 50 times a game. So we understand Tom Brady potentially could throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game. But at the end of the day, Jameis Winston's leg got him out of a lot of predicaments where the offensive line or those young receivers and tight ends didn't make plays. So I just – I I – a hundred percent. I believe this is going to be a hit on, on Brady's legacy. Um, I think we're going to see a, a old man that struggles in Tampa Bay. Everybody is putting them at the top. And I do agree with you. A lot of people have talked about them. Like they talk about, like they talked about the Cleveland uh, Browns. I do not see it. I still see the new Orleans Saints um, as a team, to, as a team to beat in the NFC South. Uh, I just don't see the smoke coming out of Tampa. Like everybody talking. Yeah, I just think that it is really about about the hype around Brady of how great he is, but how great can you be when you're 44, 45? Can you still play at a high level? I think that Tampa will be more like what we saw with the Browns. I told Pollard the other night, 6-10. and 10. 
And I don't know if the following year they'll be much better, but it's more than just an aging Gronkowski and Brady that can elevate Tampa to be some playoff team. I just don't think that that's in the cards. Um, and, and if that's a shot on, on one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen, then it's a shot on him. Speaking of shots, what about Lamar Jackson? So anytime that you have a team that ascends to the top of their division, makes some noise in the playoffs, the way the NFL works is you may get back to the playoffs, but you may not be as sharp. So I look at Lamar Jackson, the quarterback for um, Baltimore, and so this is the NFL reigning MVP. And what a success story it was, right? I mean, you think about the exceptional skill that he had, the right play calling that he had, the right cast that he had. We can look at Baltimore as one of the top rosters in the NFL. Here's Jackson, who threw for 11 touchdowns compared to zero interceptions on play-action passes in 2019. That is the best such touchdown-to-interception ratio in the NFL, according to NFL's uh, next-gen stats. Furthermore... He had 24 touchdown passes against two interceptions against the Blitz, 10 more such touchdowns than any other quarterback in the National Football League. You saw just an unbelievable growth from Lamar Jackson uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. Now, the question is, what kind of Lamar Jackson do we see here in 2020? The one thing you know about the NFL is that even though it's an offensive league, you know that defensive coordinators are just licking their wounds about what they had to deal with with Lamar Jackson and really champing at the bit to try to get at Jackson again. So I asked Bernard Pollard again, a guy that, who was a terrific safety in the NFL, who has that vision as a terrific defensive player, about Lamar Jackson and what he sees from Jackson and the Ravens this upcoming season. I think last year was a special year. I think, you know, as we look at what Lamar Jackson did uh, on the ground, uh, as far as running and, 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 and you know, throwing the ball some. Uh, I am not particularly uh, high on him as a quarterback, I, 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 and that's just me. As a guy who I've watched him, I played this game. I think he is a, I think he is a spectacular athlete. But when I look at it now, teams have a full off season and some to prepare for this offense, what they they did not see. Um, so they have a full uh, off season and some to 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 come in and play against the Baltimore Ravens. We got to look at the AFC North where. He played without a Ben Roethlisberger. He played, you know, where where the Cleveland Browns got in their own way. Uh, them jokers sucked it up bad. And then we look <laughs> at the Bengals where they just awful. Like, so you got to hope, you know, and I don't know if the Bengals will make noise with that young quarterback. He's going to see things he ain't never seen before. But I think when you look at all of the teams that they're going to play outside of their division, I don't see the same success that we, that we saw last year. I don't see that happening in 2020. <laughs> Bernard Pollard, Super Bowl champion with me, Jonathan Hood, right here as we do our summer of football on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I want to talk about a young quarterback that no one's talking about at just a moment, but I do want to point out something else. And that is throughout this COVID-19, you know that this is a complete difference. Uh, what we're seeing from NFL teams with their OTAs, their practice schedule, you know that football players, athletes in general, are a creature of habit. And so this is completely different than anything that you and I have ever seen, where now these football players are used to being in camp. Uh, here we are in June. We're supposed to be on schedule for like the usual, you know, usual summer practices, getting ready for preseason, and then we're going to go into the NFL season. Well, that's not happening. A lot of Zoom meetings, a lot of conversation, but not a lot of action, not a lot of physicality because of COVID-19, where everyone was separate. 
So, Bernard was talking to me about, as an athlete, how this is going to be this upcoming season. He feels that because the offseason program is totally different this year than in years past, that injuries, they're going to be at an all-time high in 2020. When we look at the coaching, the coaching really not – they're not affecting uh, the players. You know, guys in the NFL, you got guys whose sons coach or guys whose friends coach. So, this is a buddy-buddy league. So, the coaches really – got superior talent – on the football field, all you got to do is show them, okay, we want to install a couple plays. We want you to run it like this. Again, it's about getting reps. So you don't, you know, so we want to get, um, I think getting in, being around the position, you need to get them under the strength and conditioning coach to get, get them running. But I think those reps on a football field, these mini camps and these OTAs that guys are missing, uh, the veteran mini camps, this precious time that will be missed, this is why I say the injuries are going to – I think the injuries are going to be at an all-time high simply because as I see a lot of guys training right now, a lot of guys are sprinting. Well, you can run already. We need to get game-type uh, movements. We need quick movements like, like, like it was game time. So, but, so a lot of these trainers are out here training these kids, or training these players, and they're not training them the right way. So it's crazy. <laughs> One other nugget. So I would say that this year, in the last few years, we have seen some great quarterback talent. I always thought that I grew up in the golden era of quarterbacks when I could just turn on my TV when I was a kid and see Elway or Montana or Fouts or Moon, Plunkett, um, to be able to see a lot of those great quarterbacks in the 80s, and you say, man, every time you turn on the TV, there's some great quarterbacks out there. There's a Hall of Fame caliber, or actually Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the 80s. So many guys, I thought, that could really play the game. And this is also during a time in the 80s where even the backups were good enough to start in, on some teams. They just didn't have any room because that's how the NFL was. But the backups were quality, just like the starters were, right? Well, I really believe that what we're seeing here with quarterback play in the NFL is pretty stellar. There's some question marks about a few young players, but there are some that you look at that were drafted high uh, at the quarterback spot, and you say, you know what, there's there's some hope there. Sam Darnold's one of those guys. As as much of a joke the Jets are, especially with this Jamal Adams story, Adams wants out. Some of the coaches want him back. Some people don't want him back with the Jets. He's just he's a great player, and he wants out because he knows the Jets are a joke. But even with Sam Darnold, there was a turnaround the last eight games for Sam Darnold and the Jets. They play pretty well, even though there's some games you're just like, like, how is Adam Gase still employed as a head coach for that team? Nonetheless, one of the um, quarterbacks that we don't talk about, which really the jury's still out on, is Haskins, the quarterback for the Washington Redskins. So Ron Rivera, Chico, is the head coach now for the Washington Redskins. And so the question is, what will Dwayne Haskins look like with a full autonomy of games, a full complement of games? So Doug Williams, a longtime quarterback for the Washington Redskins, a Super Bowl champion, was on 106, um, the fan in Washington, D.C., and says that Haskins has a better arm and better arm talent than anyone in the last couple of drafts. Before the pandemic really hit, uh, Dwayne was in the office every morning, in the building every day, working. I mean, he know Dwayne knows what's at hand, and uh, it's unfortunate, Chad, that you know, leading up to the draft, man, all these gurus was talking about, you know, Dwayne this, Dwayne that. I mean, he's a young quarterback. He deserves every opportunity like anybody else. 
Is there a talent-wise, you know, coming out last year? In the last two years, I don't care who came out this year, last year, there's not a quarterback that come out in the last two years that has the ability from an arm strength standpoint and arm talent that Dwayne Haskin has. Dwayne can throw with the best of them. Now, mentally, he has to control the other part. And I think he has aligned himself and realized that's what he has to do, and I think that's what he's doing. I think at the end of the day, give him the opportunity to do what everybody else do, and that is to improve upon his game. So thoughts there from Doug Williams, um, who is an executive now in the front office with the Washington Redskins, Super Bowl champion, giving his thoughts on Haskins. That's another good, you know, a good, a good look at his analysis of a young quarterback, and we're going to find out how good Haskins is because I'm sure that he'll be the starter when the uh, season starts, while Cam Newton still looks for a job. <laughs> so, so again, you you lean toward the young people. Hopefully, that a young quarterback like that can develop for Washington. All right, coming up next, ah, uh, the league. It's almost like a they're reborn. It's reimagined. The NBA has their schedule out as they're going to reconvene in the month of uh, July. We'll take a look at some of the highlights and things we can look forward to with the NBA. And it's coming up next on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. Follow at TweetJHood on Twitter. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. A reminder that this show will start at 6 p.m. on Monday, July 6th. We will start the baseball show, TBS, the baseball show uh, on the 6th of July. So I'll be on right after Wadlin Sylvie as we get ready for the baseball season. I'll have, not just on the 6th, but every night, giving you a baseball conversation, Cubs, Sox, everything else, Major League Baseball, uh, from a stat standpoint, on the field standpoint, gambling standpoint. We're going to have fun doing the baseball show, and I'm looking forward to the assignment. On the 6th of July, I'll be coming on after Wadlin Sylvie uh, every night giving you baseball content with a baseball show and then under the hood right after that at seven o'clock. So, um, I'm pretty excited about it because it's, uh, uh, something new, something I experimented with, um, a few years ago, but it was, uh, it was set aside. And now I'm just glad that, uh, management, uh, with Mike Thomas and company are, um, want to be able to reach out to you, the Cub fan, you, the Sox fan, everyone else in major league baseball that loves the sport, we will give you a built-in pregame show, or in some cases, postgame show, depending when these games will take place. But again, mark your calendars the 6th of July, 6 p.m. every night with the baseball show right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, we'll hear from Bill Barnwell, who covers the NFL, coming up at 9 o'clock, getting his thoughts about the Bears and everything else around the NFL. Um, so here we go. It was interesting on a, on a um, odd Friday night to be able to have this uh, amount of NBA news uh, that has come out because the revised schedule has come out. Now, again, this has nothing to do with the Bulls, um, and this is about how the sprint will work, where all these players, the top 16 teams in the East and West, as, as well as a few other teams sprinkled in to make 22 teams, will be all in Orlando 
for the playoffs. So here's how it goes. Travel dates for 22 NBA teams to Orlando. So July 7th, this will be the Nets, the Nuggets, the Magic, Suns, Jazz, and Wizards. July 8th, the Celtics, Mavericks, Clippers, Grizzlies, Heat, Pelicans, Thunder, and the Kings. And July 9th, the Rockets, Pacers, Lakers, Bucks, 76ers, Trailblazers, Spurs, and Raptors. That's how it goes. The NBA has modified its dress code for the 2019-20 restart. Players not uh, required to wear a sport coat on the bench. The old David Stern rule, you don't have to do that in Orlando. You can wear a short or long-sleeve polos. Or, or for or the you know for team and league business, male and female coaches, short or long sleeve NBA polo shirts. Um, those are some of the rules that came down uh, earlier today. The NBA's July 30 restart openers: Jazz Pelicans will be at 5:30 Chicago time, followed by the Clippers Lakers, of course. Clippers Lakers at uh, 8 o'clock Central time. Uh, again, the restart is on July 30th. That is that's outstanding. Six NBA games on July 31st includes Orlando and the Nets. Let's get Orlando out of there. Let them get their games in, and let's get them out of there. They're they're not going to be a serious contender. Um, followed by the Grizzlies uh, and the Blazers, Suns, Wizards, Celtics, Bucks, Kings against the Spurs, and the Rockets against the Mavericks. Um, and so here's something interesting: the NBA restart schedule notes maximum seven games per day. Tip-offs between. Uh, 12 p.m. and 9 p.m. Three total courts, two for national TV. It feels so summer league <laughs> because in the summer league you get these games right from the beginning to the end of the day. Just like you know, if you just want to see like a little taste of basketball in the summer, you turn on the NBA TV. ESPN might have a few. Turner might have a few, and you just kind of turn on. It's like there's nothing on the line. You're just kind of looking at uh, these coaches in their shorts and their polo shirts, and you see some of these young players that may make it and some won't. You just kind of turn off for a few minutes, take a look, and then just like kind of walk away and see more games later. But this, if, if you're getting games like this, this is going to be a win. So many people are at home, unfortunately, and not working. And so what we'll get is, is that it, it is going to be um, quite the – the viewing pleasure for a lot of sports fans to be able to see live sports to not only to watch, but to gamble on when games are on between 12 and 9 PM. I mean, that's, that's amazing. A number of courts, all this taking place in Orlando. Now, Adam Silver, the uh, commissioner at the NBA had a number of things to say. And again, even though as an NBA fan, I'm looking forward to it. I'm still looking at the NBA the NFL, the National Hockey League, all these other sports that we're watching. And I always look at it in just in the prism of COVID-19 and the what-ifs. There are players that are not going to be involved in this restart for the NBA because of COVID-19. And I can't blame them for it because they inherit the risk. For those that don't believe in COVID-19, this conversation is not for you. But all I know is that people getting sick can be scary for some families, especially when people pass away. And so it's about safety. And the NBA has been uh, first and foremost out of all the sports to really put safety first. Remember, it all started uh, in early March. Rigo Bear touching all the microphones and touching the the tables and seeing that coronavirus isn't real. And then it became real to him and Donovan Mitchell with the Jazz and other players in the NBA.
there's NBA players that we are seeing here that uh, that had uh, coronavirus as well. Some have walked away and said, I'll come back next year. Alex Lynn, a, a King Center, tested positive today. Uh, Buddy Heal on that same Kings te- team. Buddy Heal, a uh, really good player for Sacramento, tested for the coronavirus. Jabari Parker, Chicago Zone, also has coronavirus. So there's there's a number of players already that are dealing with this, but the NBA is going to move forward anyway. But here's the thoughts now from Adam Silver. So Silver says there's a level of concern uh, that he has that's really increased. The level of, of concern has increased, not just because of the increased levels in Florida, but throughout the country. At least today, I believe um, 29 of the 50 states have an increased number of cases. Of course, we designed um, our campus um, in essence, to isolate ourselves from whatever the level of cases um, was in, in the surrounding community. But since we placed our original, since we, we designed our initial p- protocol, we are continuing to work with Disney on the testing of at least a subset of their employees. Silver also talks about how the playoffs, uh, they will continue despite positive tests. We haven't worked through every scenario, but the notion would be that if we had a single player test positive, that player would then go into quarantine. We would then be tracking any players that or other personnel that that player had been in contact with and even potentially supplement the daily testing just to ensure that others had not um, been contaminated. But then we would continue. You know, that team would be down a man, and we would treat that positive test as we would an injury during the season. And so we we would not not delay the continuation of the playoffs. So that's there from Adam Silver. When you hear that conference call, there's, I'm not going to say fear, but you could just tell that he is very concerned that the NBA will resume, especially when we see the numbers spike in Florida. He's con- you could t- hear the concern, and I-, and I will give Silver the benefit of the doubt versus other um, commissioners and other sports because there are some that are just looking at the almighty dollar and looking at the ability to just get their sports back out on the sports landscape just because and not really caring about the players. Silver has shown me that he has concern for the players. He really worked hard with the Players Association and worked uh, with others to try to get this together. But there's some trepidation there that I'm hearing from Silver where he's like, the numbers have spiked, but we've got to make sure that our players are safe and who knows. Now, as far as who's going to win the championship, so before the coronavirus you saw three teams in particular that seemed to be the favorites, uh, the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And there's some teams in the, in the East that are starting to emerge that I liked as well. One of them is being Miami. Now, I would just be just shooting in the dark and just throwing a hot take out there to tell you that Miami's going to really seriously compete against uh, Milwaukee for the Eastern Conference crown. I like them with Jimmy Butler. I like that team with Bam Adebayo. But here's the thing about predictions for me, and I know it's unpopular. I mean, as a sports talk show host, as a fan, I'm just supposed to just shoot from the hip and just tell you things that hopefully that I'll be correct so I can say, hey, I told you, sh- I told you so, right? I-, I just, you know, because of the of the pause in the schedule 
for the NBA, like I could say that there could be a major upset. But then again, I don't know the conditioning of all these players. And there's going to be some rosters that are going to be incomplete. It won't be Some of these rosters won't be the same as what we saw in early March, February, March. I have no idea what we're going to see. I would imagine that the Clippers or the Lakers or Milwaukee would be the favorites because they were good last time we saw them. They were at the top of their game. I really I can't tell you that those three for sure are going to win the championship because I don't know the conditioning and I don't know how this new NBA is going to affect a lot of these players. Empty stadium. Everyone's playing in the same place in Orlando, sequestered in this bubble. And I don't know what to expect. I can tell you, like, I, I know players, I know teams, but does that mean that just because LeBron James is with the Lakers and the team has Anthony Davis because they have some good um, shooting and they have some good players defensively that for sure they're going to win the championship? I have no idea. No idea. Because I, I respect Kawhi Leonard because of his two-way ability to be able to get it done on both ends of the floor and Paul George, uh, Doc Rivers is the head coach. Can I for sure say the Clippers are going to win the championship? I don't know. Frank Isola says that there's a good possibility, though, of a major upset. I think there is a possibility for something like that. Maybe a team like Houston, maybe a team like the Boston Celtics. I think going into, the, you know, had there been an NBA playoffs, I think Giannis would have been healthy by the time the playoffs rolled around. So I think it would have been the Bucks, the Lakers, and the Clippers, the, the three favorites. But I think it, it could be a little bit more wide open than that. Plus, you know, under this scenario, Guys get hurt all the time, so someone's going to get hurt down at this bubble, and everyone's going to say, oh, see, this was the problem with the bubble, which will probably be a little bit unfair, but you always have to factor that in as well. It was a huge factor last year in the NBA Finals with Durant not being available for the first four games. He came back in Game 5 and then got hurt after playing just under 12 minutes. So I think there's a possibility for something like that because it kind of is a, a great unknown in Boston could be a bit of a dangerous team because they got young players. And don't forget about Toronto. Toronto got the second-best record in the league. They've done all things considered. They lost Kawhi Leonard, and they've had a remarkable uh, season. So they could be dangerous down in Orlando as well. So thoughts there from my colleague from NBA Radio, uh, Frank Isola. All right, coming up next, the end of an era for, on Family Guy. And the HBCU team Morehouse makes a big decision. Will others follow? We find out next on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood. Listen to me. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. We're from Bill Barnwell on the NFL coming up at 9 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. I saw this on Twitter today from uh, Mike Henry Bro. That's the on Twitter, Mike Henry Bro. Mike Henry is a voice actor uh, with Family Guy and the, uh, the Cleveland show. And he says, it's been an honor to play Cleveland on the Family Guy for 20 years. I love this character, but persons of color should play characters of color. Therefore, I will be stepping down from the role. And I saw that, and I'm like, I was. And the first thing you think of is the theme song, right? My name is Cleveland Brown, and I am proud to be right back in my hometown with my new family. 
there's old friends and new friends and even a bear. Like, like you think about Cleveland Brown, right? And I, I'm a Family Guy fan. I like that show. And Cleveland Brown, I, I didn't even think about who was behind that character. I just, I, I actually thought it was Seth MacFarlane. It's, it's not like I was researching it very much, right? And so when I saw that, I'm like, well, that's interesting. So I asked Peacock. I said. So what do you think of that? She says, well, why is he stepping down? No one is forcing him to. I said, well, you know what? That's his choice. And I just thought that that was interesting because I, I do like that character. He, I, they, he had a show, and I think they, they canceled it, but I think he's still part of the Family Guy show. So I thought that was interesting. So it's gonna be either that either that character is going to be gone or there's going to be a new voice for Cleveland. So that, I find that interesting. Um it's funny, uh, we were talking the other night about HBCUs, and, and this came up today, that Morehouse, a historically black college in Atlanta, announced today that it's canceling its 2020 football season because of the coronavirus pandemic. Morehouse also will not compete in cross-country, its other fall sports. David Thomas, who is the president, uh, says that I know that this news will be disappointing to our uh, scholarship athletes, especially our seniors. Um, but he has understand our situation here and talking about COVID-19 uh, because of the pandemic, they shut it down, which also means no Southern Heritage Classic. Also, for a couple other black colleges, uh, Jackson State and Tennessee State will not be going at it. So, I, you know, you can understand. And the question is, will there be other sports, other teams that will be shutting down because of COVID-19? Morehouse is one of the few that we've heard now that is going to cancel their entire football season because of COVID-19. Will others follow? That's a big question. Davis and I were talking the other night about uh, about a star player that very well could go to the uh, an HBCU, Mikey Williams. One of the nation's top high school basketball players announced that he was thinking about going to an HBCU. And and I saw Will Bond and Kornheiser talk about this on, on their show, on part of the interruption. And, and Will Bond kind of put it this way. He said something along the lines of, you know, during this pandemic, we're just finding things to talk about and just trying to raise the roof on topics. And uh, I would not set it to the side. Uh, I, I do know that... Uh, Bronny James, LeBron James' son, has been offered to go to uh, North Carolina State. Um, and so I, I saw the story earlier today where there's a number of uh, North Carolina Central University that, that there was an offer made to LeBron's son. And so La- Lavelle Moulton is a guy that's very outspoken, a very good coach. Uh, saw him and his team when he took on UIC not too long ago. And so um, there was an offer made to LeBron's son. And the big thing what that is, what if, right? What if? It only takes one. Lavelle Moulton is a very good coach for NCCU. So what if LeBron James' son decides he wants to go there? Again, it's just an offer. But it, it, it's interesting that that story comes up where there's a young man who one of his, uh, I think his mother went to Howard, uh, believe it, one of his mother or father went to an HBCU. This is his mother. And his mother yeah. went to an HBCU. And so the feeling from Mikey Williams is, well, maybe I will. He's just 15. But I don't know if it's shocking for a young man to say, you know what, um, because my mom went, maybe I'm going to go. 
And we don't know how good Mikey Williams will be on the on a college level, but from a high school standpoint, he's at least considering it. And it's something that, that Davis and I have talked about for a while here, and that is it just takes one. I've always somewhat tongue-in-cheek said that, hey, you know, HBCUs deserve to be able to have more of a television presence, um, and I'm calling out, you know, networks like uh, like Afro and BET and the Africa Channel and um, and TV One. I do believe that they deserve a spot on one of these, um, these channels uh, for Revolt, Aspire, some of these channels. They definitely deserve to have their football program and basketball programs on one of these channels, including OWN. Um, there's room for the HBCUs to be able to have their platform on one of these channels. But ultimately, what I'm looking at on a bigger picture is, what if, right, Davis? Yeah, what, the migration should be similar. Remember two, three years ago, we always talked about there's no way guys at Fort Go going to a big-time college program and go straight to the G League. Like, the G League doesn't pay any money. And two years later, now we see the salary go up. And we see a lot of these five-star athletes that were committed to Michigan or were committed to UCLA say, you know what, forget going to class for six months. I'm just going to go ahead, work on my game, get paid, and then I'll end up being in the draft the following year. I think the same trend might start because we're already starting to see four-star athletes go to HBCUs. It's starting to happen right now. We said it on the, the other night. Four of the top 50 have already committed to HBCUs in the class of 2021. Now let, now let one hit. Yes. Let, let one or two hit. Now you get a flurry of them like, oh, well, well maybe I should. And because here's the thing. especially I know we got a um, break here, but just re- very briefly, Davis – if you have someone that hits, especially on the basketball side, it's not like scouts would be like, "Oh, well, that's not the same competition." I mean, what, I mean, what are you, Howard? You know, what are you? I mean, Fisk. What, what are you? Just you're a small school. Basketball is basketball, and if you play at a high level, you can be able to be a top pick. I will give you John Morant for an example from Murray State. Yeah, you know, he's Murray State. That wasn't on television all the time. But there's a reason why that he was picked second in that in this past draft is because he was talented despite the competition that he was taking on. So it doesn't matter. It honestly does not matter. If you play at a high level and if if there are black athletes that look at HBCUs and go, you know what, I like that experience. I might do it. And, and, and don't forget, Davis, we talk about athletics a lot, but it's the education piece. That's important. The education and the experience of being at those schools. That's the thing that's important, along with the athletics. And it's safe to say that experience might be a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Oh, no question. Yeah. No, 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 no question about it. It, There, there, there's education, there's learning about um, your experience at that school and be able to play at a high level. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, And here's the difference between playing at HBCU and a blue blood school pushing you out (laughs) after your first year. Like, okay, we're good. You're not going to stay. So you're you're good. You know, so it's um, It's a different type of love. It is. It is. But it takes one. That's all it takes. What if it's Bronny? (laughs) Just for a year. Just a taste. Woof. That'd be something. All right. Coming up in two minutes, we will hear from Bill Barnwell, who covers the NFL for ESPN.com. We'll get his thoughts on the Bears and everything else around the NFL. That's in two minutes on UTH. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.